This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report. And as always with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And Pat, you're very, very excited because your baseball team is uh, in the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. So um, that just makes you a little happier. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Between that and she's killing the Patriots on Monday night. Uh, I think one yeah. Mr. Alex Magleby owes me a beer after uh, a friendly gentleman's bet on that game. Uh, it's a pretty good day to be in Kansas City. Well, that's very nice. Uh, we're uh, well, Bruce. You're you're busy actually uh, coaching games as opposed to just watching them. How's that Iona team doing? Iona's been a pleasure. It was this week was fantastic. They played a pretty good set of D. We were able to get a live stream on on Golf Rugby Report, which was this is true. That was pretty impressive, and the uh, the guys in 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 the Iona Athletics Department really put that together and and made that happen. There was about zero percent chance of me being able to figure that out, but they they happen to be really nice guys who, for whatever reason, are pretty nice to me. So when we asked them. And they sat there for had to be two to three hours, making sure that it came up perfect. It was good. It was, and we'll get better at it. I encourage all teams to to do this. It having a live stream is great. And what they said, the Iona guy said, is we couldn't even believe that people were watching it live. They they tape and stream all their games, and it's like nobody ever watches. We make it. Nobody definitely watches live, and and definitely maybe one view afterward. He's like, you guys have got tons of views, live watchers. It was I, without any notice that anyone was even doing it, so it was good. Yeah, we we Pat, you and I both know about the the giving people notice on live stream and then they don't happen. So uh, the Iona guys did a good job. <laughs> yeah. How many times we did that? Said hey, watch it live stream and then it's just not happening. And, um, just a warning for anybody uh, live streaming. This is a, a public service uh, from me. Uh, keep your microphone away from the music that is being played at your venue because YouTube will shut you down for copyright violation. That actually did happen to us when somebody left a, you know, so so I, I can even tell you the song. It was uh, Pure Prairie League. Um, uh, Can't you see? Got us shut down for a week because there was a microphone near the, the bro, PA system. Bro, bro, bro. <laughs> Tucker Band. Can't you see? Pure Prairie oh, League. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not Pure. You're right. Marshall Tucker? Marshall, Marshall Tucker. Tucker. Marshall does. Tucker Band. Can't you see? Who is Pure Prairie League sing? I don't know. All right. Okay. Marshall Tucker. It was Marshall Tucker Band with "Can't You See." Um, all right. Well, we got a show uh, to give to you. Uh, Rugged Matrix America is brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions, and we're talking. At least in the first half of this, we're going to be talking about the USA Men's Sevens Team, which uh, was announced just before the show came on, and uh, you know, an interesting. Lineup. This is Mike Friday's first lineup after his camp. Uh, we'll just quickly go through the, the names. Uh, Garrett Bender, Andrew Duratalo, Zach Test, Nick Edwards, Pat Blair, Madison Hughes, Falau Niua, Peter Tiberio, Danny Barrett, Maka Unufe, Carlin Isles, and Perry Baker. And Madison Hughes is the captain. Now, 
before we get into it, we did talk to Mike Friday, got a, a little bit of audio here of him talking about why he picked Madison Hughes, who is still in college and has been to three international tournaments, why he picked Madison Hughes to be the captain. And so here's Mike Friday on that choice. He knows his own mind. He's able to speak his mind. He's articulate and, um, and has, you know, and understands the game and is learning the game. Yes, he hasn't played 30, 40 tournaments, agreed, but... You know, he has the, the personality and he has the character that, that, that doesn't get flustered, which is important if you're going to be in the hotbed of the IRB World Series. Um, so he has those attributes and he studies the game, but more importantly, he has the respect of, of, of the entire squad. Um, he's not a shouter. He, he leads... He leads by example. He's he's a, he's a he's a man who's articulate with his words, um, and we, you know we've got other shouters in the team that can ably assist him. Um, but I, I I think you know he just he, he just typifies what we need at the moment as well in selfless player, and we've got a lot of talent. We've got a few mavericks, but we need a a guy a leader that will bring them all together and bring them playing as a team. And I think that's one of the big things that we need to try and change in the, in the mentality of the side is that when, when it gets a little bit tough or it gets a bit tight, people revert to their habits of trying to win the game individually, but they won't beat the best teams in the world if they don't operate and work cohesively as a group when the going gets tough or it's not going your way. And I think, you know, Madison gets that and he's very good at being that selfless player that knits them together because... You know, with the pace and the power and the physicality we have, the danger is that the individual talents can go off piste, and, and we need to, we need to contain that and, and make sure that we're all in the right direction all of the time, every time. Okay, so uh, that's Mike Friday on, on why he picked Madison Hughes. Uh, basically, he just he 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 likes the young man as a as a uh, as a leader, and he thinks that the players have gravitated toward him. Um, and there was an interesting story sent to us by Dan Payne about Hughes that uh, one of you guys want to share with us, uh, you know, what that story was. The story was basically uh, Madison was at the uh... – the Dartmouth game last weekend, even though he wasn't participating because it was happened to be the day he was named captain, but uh, he stood there, watched the game, didn't play in the game, and uh, was one of the lead guys uh, cleaning up trash after the game and showing some real humility, and and, uh, and Dan Payne was there uh, with the Life uh, men's team that went up and played uh, in Boston and uh, at the same field, and, and he said he used that as a, as a coaching point to uh, to his guys, saying, you know, look at Madison. He just was named the the – this, the captain of the National Sevens team, and he's out here cleaning up trash he didn't create in a game he didn't play in. So, so it's, it's kind of a neat that, uh, story. That's, that's that a great like story, and I think it does speak to Hughes very, very much. So he's he's led teams to championships, Junior World Rugby Trophy, uh, the CRC. Um, one of the CRC victories was with him, uh, you know, a key player, actually MVP of the tournament. Um, Bruce, is this a risky pick at captain? I don't know if it's a 
I don't know if it's a risky pick. Um, certainly a surprising pick, but based on the team that was chosen, and it's not that surprising. You know, it's not like it was like, holy cow, how could he be captain over this guy? I don't, I don't know that there were many guys there who would say, quote unquote, captain material. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's a risky pick. And, you know, the story that Dan texted us on, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice of Dan to let us know what happened. And I, and, and Friday gave very valid reasons as to why he chose Madison Hughes as his captain and why he's going to use other leaders to do different things and that Madison uses the guy who's kind of in his head and he knows he lead by example. And that's what captains do. They lead by example and they, and they represent what the coach wants that team to be like. That's what real captains do. And then he happens to have, I mean, he did go to one of the best uh, schools in the UK in, in terms of rugby. He plays at a top college rugby program and has played relatively good sevens with that college rugby program and has parlayed that into different things. And he's play, he's played through the, through the grades and through the, I mean, you know, age grade stuff. So he, he knows, he knows what it takes to win. He's been on the seventh circuit and there's been young captains in every walk I'm of kind life of in the world. In a, on a small scale. He's a young like captain a and, and we wish him the best. Wilson moment. When when the, the Seahawks picked uh, a essentially unknown rookie to start for them and be their their quarterback their playmaker, and and essentially the captain of the team. So what the event that it would be a Russell Wilson moment kind of if they won the sevens <laughs> kind of. uh, World I Series this so. year yeah. and won the Olympics next year and. And it almost as much as They are both short. Back off. Let's just. Hey, they're both both short. It's a, it's, and and, and what one is complete? Yeah, and, and and one has a Super Bowl trophy and and a multi-million dollar contract, right, well, but, and the other guy is still in college and will be getting a job afterwards. Well. Are you saying the CRC clearly it is? Isn't, um, uh, uh, he, he, isn't the equivalent of the Super yeah, Bowl? He he doesn't. He. It's the United Russell Wilson Sports does not have his multi-million dollar and contract yet. He's WS actually like the lowest-paid quarterback in the league, but but he is universally beloved uh, in uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and essentially could run for any kind of deity you want, and he would be, uh, you know, he he would be landslide victor. Everyone everyone loves him. Um, it's... Yes. And he's Medusa that I don't... In, in Denver. Yeah. Uh, but um, the, uh, um, speaking. Let let let's talk about the rest you, of the team. You, you, you know, Matt Hughes would be an interesting I, uh, uh, pick. Uh, the 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 rest of the team and looking uh, up front and, and uh, seventh team is not quite like a 15s team where you say these guys are props or whatever. But we generally have a group of mostly forward types, and that would be Garrett Bender, Andrew Duratalo. Zach Test, who can play as a back as well, Pat Blair, 
and Danny Barrett. So that's your group that is probably your guys are probably playing the forwards. Uh, Nick Edwards can Nick Edwards can do it. Certainly he can he's a he's a and and we might see the and other Nick guys Edwards do a little bit, but that's yeah, you're you're right. So uh Pat, what, what does that group say? Is there anybody in there that you say, oh, geez, why is he there? You know, not really. Obviously, when you lose uh, Brett Thompson, um, and then, you know, recently, in the last couple of years, you lose Holly, and he was unavailable, but, you know, it wants to get back in the setup. Um, and you lose uh, uh, Scully, and you, so you lose some of those, and even Palamo, who they didn't really ever have, uh, you know, really, but... Um, you lose the the possibility of him. It, it does. It's not surprising some of the guys that they have there. The, the one guy that is surprising is Pat Blair because Pat Blair had a contract, and then one of the first decisions Mike Friday made when he got here was not to extend another contract to Pat Blair. So um, I think that sent a message to him. He went and he worked his butt off and really improved his fitness numbers, and now he's back. And you know, Pat. I remember talking to Magleby about uh, about Pat. Um, back when he did get let go. And, and Pat was like, Magley basically said, he's not going to win you a lot of ball in the air. He's not an aerial guy. And he's uh, not necessarily bigger, faster, stronger than anybody. He's a really smart player. So if he's going to be picked, he's going to have to be the best guy on the team on the ground, you know, doing the, the, the hard yards and the grunt work. He's going to have to play really, really smart. You know, basically be, I guess you'd say, a Matt Hawkins type and, and be really good at being that. So uh, I think it's a big testament to the work he put in to, to get back on this team after being cut. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I, I'm happy uh, for the guy. The example the I guy would like for Pat Blair takes his opportunity and runs with it. Not that he is DJ Forbes, but that's the guy he would aspire to be because Forbes is not a big guy, tall guy either. He's not an aerial guy. He just works harder than everybody else. And, you're, I mean, fitness is going to be a huge thing for him, certainly. Um, I, like, uh, I like that group of forwards. Bruce, any thoughts? I am. I wonder how they're going to gel. I wonder. I know that you know Friday has spoken heavily, heavily about fitness. It'd be interesting to see how the like. What is the fitness level of the guys on the team? Like, there's you know twenty guys that are in camp or twenty five. Like, what are their tests? I know that. And I only know this through um, Billy Millard and and uh, and Mike Tolkien, and they they went out there and had a little powwow a while ago and said that Friday was really um, killing these guys, <laughs> almost to the point of savagery. It'd be really interesting to see like what are the fitness scores of the guys on the team, what are the fitness scores of the guys left behind. And what are the fitness scores of the guys who dropped out so that people could know how to aspire to being on the team? And because, uh, you know, based on what he said, especially in the interview and, and everything he's said all the way through has been fitness, 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 fitness. And so you would think that they they're going to be uh, they're really going to be setting the world on fire in terms of that. Like I said, I, I heard that what was happening in camp was was almost laughably hard and, and hard in the sense that you were laughing and 
almost feeling yeah, I mean, they, they, they bad for the guys. We, we, I mean, the thing is, he has to pick it. twelve guys, right? So you can't just say that nobody's fit enough. We're not. We're going to miss. You know, skip this tournament. Obviously, he's got. He's got to pick twelve guys. So how how many of those guys met the standards well, no, that, that are I, that we I, that are pretty high? I know. I know. No, that's yeah. not what I meant. I, yeah, that's not what I. Meant. I actually meant like, what are the standards, and if if that's going to be a major criteria, which obviously it is, what are the standards? Where are the guys who are in camp? You know what are what are their scores, and how can aspiring people? As I think that what we want to do is we want to cast a net a little wider, and have people aspire to reach these goals. Don't you think that? Don't you think that? Uh, you know, all the different uh, guest coaches who brought into camp that run all the different you know development academies and and big touring sides are, are are know what that number is and everybody who's been into camp knows what that number is it's not like a secret number oh i don't know i wish it i don't i'm not saying i don't think it's a secret i'm just i, I don't know what it is i'm just saying that in the event that it's there there's thousands of kids young 15 14 12 17 8, that like the next olympians are 15 now, and if those kids understand what is it going to take to get there, they, they say every four years. That's not true. It's every day mm-hmm. for a decade sure. or every day for six years. or That's what it is. So when kids know what it's going to take, hey, this is what it's going to take to get there, and I'm going to do it every day for a decade or six years or eight, whatever it is. It's not something that just happens in a couple of months. They've worked their asses off for these couple of months. But now in order for us to build off that and build off the foundation, you can't keep constantly having people come in and saying, oh, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. You got to say, this is the expectation. Rock up and be able to do it. And then you could build off of that foundation, then you can go further. But you can't push further Seems fair. until you know what are the expectations initially. And I think that that, and that that's why I said it. I wasn't uh, saying I, it. I do wonder. Say, I was just saying it um, for those reasons alone. How many are at the standard, and how many are close to the standard, and how attainable those standards are? Uh, I, out in the back. Oh, oh, at halfback, one one of the interesting things about this team is that there are only three halfbacks: uh, Madison Hughes, uh, Falauniua, and Peter Tiberio. Um, and that's that's not a supremely small amount, but it it, it essentially says um, th- those are your three guys who are going to rotate around. Uh, it looks to me like all of those guys will see significant time, and certainly see Hughes probably seeing a lot as captain. Um, I don't see any problem with that. I, I don't know about Tiberio as a uh, first receiver type guy, but uh, you know, see how he develops at that. He's certainly been u- used as a scrum half, um, and I would imagine the way that Friday plays, he may not be wor- too worried about first receiver. Whether it's you know, is it New, uh, is it Hughes, or is it you know, if, if your first receiver is Garrett Bender and he's the guy, then give him the ball and and make him work with it. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any, you know, there's obviously some specialty roles and things that you ask guys to do, but, um, I, you know, I think three is plenty, and uh, everybody on this team can so pass we go out wide. Well on the run or they wouldn't Now, here's the, the thing. Carlin Isles is a grand source of discussion uh, the last couple of years, especially last year. It seemed like really the the issues for Matt Hawkins centered around his use of Carlin Isles and whether he wanted to use him, which he didn't seem to or did. And Isles seemed to, you know, every time he got on the, the field, he'd score tries and every now and then he'd let one in. Um, but it just seems like Isles is in a better spot now. He came back to play sevens. He wants to play for this coach. He feels like he's getting a shot, but at the same time, Maka Anufe is a pretty fast guy, although he can play almost anywhere, really. Perry Baker is kind of like Carlin in that he's, um, you know, he's a speed guy first and maybe still a little green, although, you know, Baker's been playing sevens at a national level for about nine years, so you'd think that he'd know something about the game. Um, do we have a different profile on this team and a different outlook about how to treat those guys because of the you know the fact that they've been picked the fact that um maybe we think Isles might actually start might actually play 14 minutes yeah you know the Isles question wasn't even just a Hawkins questions it was a Magleby question too you know I remember you know him wavering and hearing stories about him asking you know, what do I do with this guy and trying to figure it out? And, you know, neither one of the coaches had really put him in a role and stuck with it. Um, he's been kind of, you know, I've, he's been kind of a, you know, a question mark all along. I think that Friday, um, you know, just looking at some of the tweets even from when he was coaching him at Samurai, he loved having him on the field. Um, you know, I certainly, I expect to see Carlin get more run now than he did under the previous two coaches. Um, and that's also partially a product of his product, you know, his, his, uh, development. The guy had hardly been playing rugby at all when he was under Magleby. Then he had obviously a year of being on the series under his belt by the time he got to Hawkins. Um, and now he's got two years of being under the, in the series under his belt, plus a spring playing, um, you know, in a full-time professional legitimate setup overseas. So you got to think not only might he get more playing time now because of who the coach is, but he might get more playing time now because he's simply just better than he was, um, more mature as a rugby player. Um, so, you know, the fact that Perry Baker was selected says that he's done enough for well, I uh, think, for Friday to, to think that he can contribute. I can't believe that Pat hasn't spoken about Maka Anufe yet. Please, Pat. I, I I remember when he was in the fold, you were, I mean, they couldn't have been a bigger fan. Well, I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Of I'm a huge fan of this team right here that's selected. Outside of, you know, if I could sub in Brett Thompson um, and I could sub in Blaine Scully and, and maybe the, I could probably find room on this team for Colin Hawley, I think this is a phenomenal team and a team that gives the United States a really good chance to be as competitive as they've ever been on the World Series. Maka Nufe was the next Mike Palafal, but with the potential to be better than Mike Palafal ever got to being. And that's saying something because Mike Palafal is pretty damn good. So Maka is huge. I think Maka fits, fits in more as a center in this position and a, and a space creator 
Um, and, and Maka's potential has never changed. The only thing that ever changed with me on Maka was, and I can understand, he was a young kid. Um, is he committed? Is he all in? Carlin was always, you know, he was pretty all in. The guy gave up the chance to be in the NFL when he actually had a real chance that he was all in. So as a fan, to me, that really spoke to me. I still, uh, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Maka, but he never really had that legitimate shot at the NFL, but then stepped away from rugby to chase it. Um, so his commitment was a little bit of a question. Well, I think that you need to and, perhaps um, cut a little bit of slack uh, for Maka. Well, I, think, I think he had a lot of choices to make. He had some important things he needed to deal with in his, in his own life. You know, um, he, when, when you've got uh, people who are depending on you for their meals, when you've got people depending yeah. on you to support them, uh, suddenly rugby doesn't necessarily... Uh, become the most important thing in the world. He had to, he had to, you know, take care of that kind of stuff. He had to decide what he was going to do. He's very young, got a young family, and and see what was best for him. I don't think that means that he wasn't dedicated uh, to the U.S. rugby team when he was playing. He just had some other stuff he needed to deal with first. And and um, Mike Friday talks about that too, and t- t- talks about uh, some of the things that he needed to do um, uh, off the field, and he still needs to do off the field. Right. Let, let me. Right. I, I, I didn't articulate what I was trying to say. Well, I've always been a fan of Maka through everything, and I should not put out anything that can be perceived as criticism about his decision making because I, I, that's not what I mean to do. I just mean that he wasn't constantly in the team over the last couple of years, which is so where he kind of you know fell off the radar a little bit. And so I you know maybe cooled on being so hot about the prospects of what he could do as an eagle, but I still think he's a phenomenal talent and. Those three guys together, Anufe, Isles, and Baker, have a chance to make this team something that it's never been and that no other team in the world can be. Pat, I was I was only saying it because I didn't know that there was. Any, I thought I, I, thought thought I thought was the biggest Maka Anufe fan ever. Anufe fan ever, and I just wanted to hear you glow about him. <laughs> uh, not even close. Um, that's definitely the president of the fan club. I mean, he's sitting there in his mother's basement writing about Maka Anufe. You know, you oh, paid your, you well, paid can, your can, money to get in the fan right. club, Alex, compared to Pat. All right. Let's get back into to Carlin Isles a little bit. Is it the problem with rugby is that when you give up a try, you got to score two to get it back. So you got to score twice to get back a point, to get back a try. So defense matters, and the main criteria for selection in especially a game that takes 14 minutes has to be defense. And I would venture to say that outside of that little play that they had where he scooped up a ball and went the other way. Colin Isles' defense has been lacking. I lacking, lacking is lacking is a nice way of putting it. I'll, I think that the perception of Carlin's defense is a lot worse than it really is than the reality really is. I, I, I don't think he makes plays on defense that other guys can't make because of his God given abilities. And does he miss tackles? Yes, but we're talking about a team 
as a whole that misses tackles. There are times when Nick Nick Edwards is a, not a very good tackler, but no one ever bitches about Nick Edwards' defense. There's a times when uh, Tyanosa can't make a tackle, when Maka Anufe can't make a tackle. It's not like the Eagles is full of a bunch of guys that don't miss tackles, and here's this windmill over here who can't stop letting guys in for tries. Relatively speaking, I think Carlin's not that bad of a defender. Now, obviously, when he gets one-on-one versus a guy like uh, Alafoti Saliva or DJ Forbes, he's going to get run over. But you, 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 you get, you know, you you have to give and take a little bit. You take the good with the bad. And I don't yeah. think he's. A, I don't think tackle or tackler. Those, those that's what he. Is. You know, you are a tackler or you're not. I don't have a huge problem with his tackling. I have a, a more of a problem with his defense than than his tackling. He does have the ability to scramble, but then doesn't have the ability and. Don't please don't say anything negative of Mamaka Nufe. You're gonna just change my perception <laughs> of your love for him, and 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 I almost want to hear you sing the Carpenters. Uh, what is it? Why do birds suddenly appear? Oh my God! Every, Every time, time you are near. If anybody was still listening, if anybody was listening, they just turned on it the day. The um. The the point is is fair that I I would imagine that this has all been uh, a rich tapestry of learning to play the game and uh, not just for Carlin uh, for Peter Peter Tiberio as well. There are some you know realities about your game that you say you know you have this and you can do that, but you've got to be better. You know Isles uh, in terms of his passing had to be better. Isles in terms of um, Working out of traffic had to be better. Um, what what I like is the combination, and I and Pat, you you touched on it too about um, especially offensively. If you have a new fade, there's a quick strike guy, and if you have Baker, uh, that is a quick strike uh, guy, and and Isles. And you look at this team, and Test can score from 90 meters. Danny Barrett. Uh, not super pacey, but he's extremely difficult to bring down. He, we've seen him score long-range tries. Tiberio can move. Hughes can move. Uh, th- this this does seem to be a team that can score tries from far out and quickly, which would be great. And we wouldn't be sitting here waiting f- three, four, five minutes for them to score one of the two tries they score in a game. Um, ideally... They can also play team defense at the same time, and I guess um, Bruce, have you or Pat, if you have some inside information on that, I'd love to hear it. I don't know. We're going to find if they can play defense together until they actually get on the field at Gold Coast. I don't think anyone's going to know that, but I, you know, as you guys have alluded to, I, it will be an exciting team to watch. They certainly have speed to burn, and they certainly have a bit of power. So they have a they have a nice little mix, and I was thinking when you were saying three halfbacks isn't enough, I'm sitting there going like eh, three halfbacks is a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe you know, maybe I'm just looking at it from a different perspective. Well, I just I'm just pointing out the the change. It used to be that that sevens was. Um, full of a lot of halfbacks. It's like the center was kind of a halfbacky kind of guy, and and now sevens is really more like you're going to you're going to steamroll people first. And then, well, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, like just 
when you look at things from, say, a 15s perspective, which is the only way I look at things, um, when, when a team fans out, you go through them. When a team compresses, you go around them. And a lot of defenses in sevens tend to be a bit spread, and you get your one-on-one situation. So you have to be confrontational and, and take those channels and play through those channels and stay in them until these teams come down and compress their defense into those channels and take that away from you. And then when they compress it and you move it wide, in the event you're fit enough and skilled enough to be able to recognize the opportunity and get yourself in position to exploit it, which is why you need to be fit. So I think that the that's why sevens has become confrontational. And I want to say that the first very successful confrontational team I saw in sevens was when Argentina won the USA sevens. And I, I want to say it was still in LA at the time. It was San Diego. San Diego. Oh, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. They, they won in both. You're right. They, they, they won the, the first, they won the first one in LA and then they won yeah. in San Diego too, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, they were almost playing with a bunch of flankers and a wing and just, basically chucking down the channel and doing like that offload drill where you line a few guys eight to ten yards apart and send four or five guys down with a ball and just practice offloading. It was it was amazing. And it was really it was almost it was a gamble confrontation. Yeah. And and I and I think that that changed the way Sevens was played from that tournament on. They almost won a World Cup that way. Finished uh second in the lost the final in 2009 to Wales playing exactly that using the boot a lot more than people use it um so we're happy with this we're happy with it. it's an exciting team uh ideally I, I guess we assume it's a fit team uh we feel like um the coach has been pretty clear about what he wants um and we've got some athletes that we were pretty thrilled about back in the fold um, and and interesting the non-traveling reserves are guys who are who either were like I don't know what to do with this guy or hmm, I'm not sure about his attitude or hmm, I've never heard of this guy but all three down traveling reserves Aladdin Sherman sh- excuse me Aladdin Shermer from central Washington uh, Hawaiian uh, Pila Taufa and Belmont Shores Mike Teo um, they're like nebulous talents. And doesn't it seem like Mike Friday likes the talent and thinks he can use it rather than worry about, well, this guy is not a super experienced rugby player. Yeah, I, I think Mike thinks he can he can coach some guys up and, and the only way to get experience is to, is to actually do it. Um, but, you know, Pila, when you talk about... Uh, you know, you tease me about being in love with Makanufe. Pila is a is a lightning talent too. I mean, Pila. A lot of people haven't seen him, but he's got a very Makanufe esque skills in a lot of different ways. Island fetish. He's he. Uh, <laughs> but but he, for, for him, for him, it was it was I'm attitude out. commitment. Right. The the question was whether he really was fully on board. Yeah, he'll go to the he'll and, go to the airport with the team and get on a plane. It's just whether it's the same one. Okay, the but the but here's here's the thing about uh, players from different cultures. Sometimes you get a culture clash with 
with the the coach and it's it's not like it's i you know i uh, i don't like polynesian players it's more like they just don't understand them um and you, you and you've there's sort of like these really unlikely partnerships um you know guy who used to coach the US 7s team and's been around a long time John Tyler not really you know he looks like santa claus you don't think he would get along you know he would understand polynesian guys but he does really well he gets along extremely well with them and he understands them and he understands what they're saying when they say something that they they're hemming and hawing he can understand well, actually i think you're you seem to be conflicted about this let's talk about it he does that very well that doesn't mean that every coach does that but um that's cuz Tyler's know. from new york is that, is that why is it, is it really should should all, all the guys from Tonga go all the way to New York? No, Tyler had to move to California to meet people from Tonga, but his <laughs> his ability to meet and okay. and interact with people comes from his his New Yorker upbringing. Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah, no, Tyler is a New Yorker. I didn't know he coached the U.S. Seven team. I know that he sometimes I. I've laughed and said, "Ah, right, Tyler can get twelve guys out of Northern California to beat these guys." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, he he did he did have a, he he had him in the you know late nineties, uh, um, and and there was a lot of rotating coaches at the time. But um, well, they were. I mean, did. Tyler is did, did he select Bubba Jones back then? Even though he was about yes, four. Yes, exactly. He he selected Bubba Jones, um, and uh, but he did. Um, you know, he he discovered some good talent, and he and he um, worked to develop some talent in the West Coast. Uh, a lot of those guys, you know, Viana Tony and even Mike Palafau were. Um, he was the know, man. Right there. Yeah, Tyler so. was the man. He could the the ITT coaches at Tyler would find people out of nowhere. He was brilliant. Vaha Esikia, who's who's basically running youth rugby in in. Las Vegas, uh, that was that was another guy. We're trying to get the USA Pacific Islanders together. It's like um, him and Vaha and Charlie Balera and uh, and um, Mose Timoteo. Holder and I are trying to help it along, but uh, it's just for whatever reason. You can't can't get them all to agree and be in one place at one time. Oh, no, uh, we- them all to agree we can't find somebody to play us well i think that's more of a commentary on uh, domestic american rugby than it is on uh anything else and and, and certainly i bet you you could put together a pretty good team um and one that other people don't want to play uh the team that we have representing the united states well we, i think we've come down on the the side of we, we like the group of players we know in the end who we have we're just perhaps not quite sure what we have, and we won't know that until they play. Uh, but it's an interesting change uh, and some interesting choices from Mike Friday, especially as we heard from him directly, his choice of captain, Madison Hughes. That's going to do it for us here on Rugged Matrix America, uh, brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. This is Alex Goff with Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton reminding you that you can check on Rugger Matrix America on the RuggerMatrix.com website. Also look at iTunes. You can, of course, uh, get yourself updated on the show at Golf Rugby Report. And thanks for listening to Rugger Matrix America. <laughs>